ഇസ്ലാമാബാദ്ജുലൈ 1991 Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wahdahu la sharika lahu wa ashhadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuluhu ജീമിയമീ نماز سے متعلق خطبات کا سلسلہ جاری ہے اور یہ سلسلہ اس غرض سے شروع ہوا تھا کہ وہ احباب جماعت جو نماز سے محبت تو رکھتے ہیں لیکن استفادے کی طاقت نہیں رکھتے ان کی مدد کی جائے اور انہیں سمجھایا جائے کہ پانچ وقت نماز سے کس طرح زیادہ سے زیادہ فائدہ اٹھایا جا سکتا ہے حضور سیز فار سم ٹائم I have been delivering these of sermons about salat prayers. This series had started with the aim that those members of the jamaat who do not love prayers but do have the capacity to benefit from it they should be helped and, and it should be explained to them that how can one benefit the most from their five daily prayers. and how can one develop enjoyment in salat the real love is that which one enjoys otherwise there are two kinds of love one is the love of faith as a result of this love one can compel himself to do some actions but the enjoyment of those actions develop as a result of true love In this regard for a time I delivered sermons on the meaning of the chapter Al-Fatiha and now I will say something about the rest of the prayer 
the first thing which needs attention is that at each movement we have been taught to affirm Allahu Akbar excepting two movements that is at the time of rising from the bowing posture and at the time of ending the prayer with salam when the time comes i will talk about it then what connection does allahu akbar have with the movement in fact whenever man makes any intellectual or physical movement in his life from one aspect to another from one condition to another condition there are always two causes for it one is fear other is desire as a result of fear a man moves from one side to another side even when you move sides during sleep that also is for the same reason because the side on which you lie after a time you feel uncomfortable and you move to avoid pain those who have very tranquil sleep they continue to lie on one side because of the heavy sleep they no longer have the feeling that lying on one side they are in pain anyway whichever aspect of man you reflect on you will find that when you change your position or your condition then you always change it either to avoid fear and pain or to fulfill a desire or a hope the declaration of allahu akbar at each movement tells you that allah is the greatest you cannot run away from him if you have to move from one condition to another then you should move from low condition to the higher condition you should go from the smaller to whoever is greater and each and every movement of life should be made with this aim that you should continue to be closer to that existence who transcends all this is very deep and wide subject and there is no time to go into its detail but i feel that this hint will suffice when a man who prays will reflect over this subject more windows of meaning will continue to open for him and his state outside the salat will also continue to become worship because the message of allahu akbar is not just a message for him when he prays but is a message for all his life the whole philosophy of movement and rest has been expressed in this so in this respect by reflecting over the subject during the state of salat the other problems of life with the grace of allah will continue to become resolved art is the state of ruku the bowing posture in which we recite subhana rabbiyal azim many of the people pass through this state reciting it in ignorance they don't know what they are saying regarding the subject a few aspects need attention first is that what is the meaning of azim 
Azim means great. Greatness. The meaning of great in Akbar is comparative greatness, and the subject of Akbar is different from Azim. Azim carries with it an awe and a manifestation, such a manifestation of awe which is seen from close by. Whenever you consider someone Azim, then one is its sight from a distance. It is conveyed through your ear or you are shown it to your eyes that such and such a thing is Azim. But the realization of its greatness cannot be attained without coming near to it. As long as you do not go to the foot of a mountain, you cannot know in what sense a mountain is Azim. We had also heard of the Himalayas, but when we reached in the vicinity of us and saw the highest peaks from close by, it was then that we realized what is the greatness of a mountain. Similarly, the people who are called Azim, they are no doubt accepted as Azim in one sight as one sees them from a distance, but one does not realize this greatness. The realization of greatness is always attained from close by. This is the reason that the greatness of His Holiness Muhammad Mustafa, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, in fact manifested on those people who were close to him. And those who were born in the distant times, a system of spiritualness was initiated to manifest his greatness on them. His Holiness promised Messiah, may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, also saw him from close by. And that is the reason that because of the nearness of Hazrat promised Messiah alayhi salatu wasalam, to Hazrat Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wasallam, we have also been granted his nearness. We also saw the manifestations of the greatness of his holiness Muhammad Mustafa sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi wasallam. This is the subject which has been described in the chapter Juma of the Holy Quran thus. There are some such people also who will be granted nearness of Muhammad Mustafa, the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. In time they are remote, but under the decree of Allah they will be brought near. Those born in the latter days will be linked to the earlier people. So here also it is the subject of greatness. As long as once greatness does not manifest from his nearness, until then changes are not brought about in man as a result of the realization of one's greatness. Therefore, after understanding the subject of man comes to know that God whose greatness we have seen in the chapter Al-Fatiha, we have come close to him. We have become so close to him that we bowed before him. We have accepted his obedience. Otherwise, 
a God who was at a distance was not enough to make us to submit to him. One can submit to God in the true sense only when one realizes his greatness. And greatness, as I have said, needs nearness. So the Ruku posture completed this subject. It is a state of submission. For instance, the Holy Quran has also described this subject as It does not mean that when you see people bowing, you should also bend your body and bow with them. What it means is that whenever you see the servants of Allah submitting to God, you should also join them in submission. Because the subject of submission to Allah applies to all aspects of life, to all situations of life. So when in this sense you say, then the subject of the greatness continues to change. Greatness applies to various situations in different forms. The greatness of a mountain is different. The greatness of an animal is different. The greatness of man is different. And the greatness of the Lord of all glory and all height is different. That God whose greatness is explained to us by the chapter Al-Fatiha as a result of seeing his greatness from nearby, the soul involuntarily bows in the Ruku posture and then bowing of the body is in subordination to it. It does not precede it. So when you recite the subjects of the standing posture, understanding them clearly, then such a condition should overwhelm your heart as a result of which your soul shall and at the same time your body should also want to bow with it. It should become helpless to bow. Such a condition is called Ruku. After this, when in the state of Ruku you will reflect on the meaning of greatness, then this three times affirmation that will appear very small to you. Therefore, for the Ruku postures of all your life, arrangements have been made for you of various reflections. There is such a beautiful meaning of the word Azim and of which is unending. And each man, according to his condition and according to his situation and according to his relationship with Allah at the time, can fill new colors with various thoughts of his greatness in. Beside this, it is also reflecting that the chapter Al-Fatiha had introduced Allah to us in the third person and you began to address that God after reciting half of the chapter. But that address is in plural form. Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen He it is who overwhelms the whole universe. There is not a single life which is outside his Rab attribute. As regards the songs of his praise, whether it is the just man or other forms of life or other inanimate objects, they continue to sing his praise in their own way. 
but this is a general condition. To develop personal relationship needs some time. Allah has ended that wait with the words and developed a personal link with that creator and supporter who is a common lord of everyone. But so is a plural form. We, O Lord, worship you or want to worship you or will worship you and will worship you alone but will seek your help alone. But so far such a relationship has not been established that you may be able to say that he is my Lord. This is the next stage of relationship and this relationship cannot be established without submission. You cannot win something just with verbal praise. When you try to become of it in practice, then the thing becomes yours. So the Ruku posture told us that that Lord who is a Lord of everyone, he should also be your Lord. That is, he should also be your personal Lord. If you are praising him with true feelings and are praying to him, then to make him your rub, you will person have to bow your head before him and will have to submit to him when through obedience you will become his then you will be given this right that you should declare subhana rabbi alazim subhana rabbi alazim subhana rabbi alazim holy is my lord holy is my lord holy is my lord and is possessor of all greatness is possessor of all greatness is possessor of all greatness holy in what sense your lord is holy in what sense possessor of all greatness in what sense and your lord is possessor of all greatness in what sense? in this there has been established some comparison with you and another subject of self-examination and of purification has started in what things are you holy and in what things you try to become holy if you are holy in some of the things that is according to your capacity and in some of the things you try to become holy then you have the right subhana rabbi my lord is holy so that by saying this you seek allah's help if there are signs of greatness in you or you desire true greatness and are moving towards it then you have the right to say yes my lord is great and he has granted me greatness he has set out taking me to all kinds of greatness man does have some such experiences in his life there are some regions where people have a habit of doing false praise when they meet you they always praise you at times they do such praise that they go to the extremes of exaggeration but instead of developing love for them your nature develops aversion that is if yourself are not a liar if you are a liar then the liars are always pleased with false praise but your honesty will tell you as to what extent you are truthful 
because a truthful man can never be pleased with false praise. He turns a deaf ear to it, he hates it, and is perturbed and wants the meeting to end quickly. So a praise which does not rise from the heart and which not have a deep sincerity in it, Allah does not hear it. But when as a result of praise one begins to submit, when a man started presenting sacrifices, when he began to bring about pious changes in him, then such a praise is worthy to be heard. And it is this very subject which the Holy Quran has stated elsewhere, that pious words are given height by the pious works. As long as pious works do not join pious words, they are not granted higher flights, and they never reach God. So they are such voices which fall before reaching Allah's throne, and do not reach their intended destination. Thus the Ruku posture has also made it clear to us that if you want such a praise which Allah should hear, then you must submit and bow before Allah. In such a case you will hear this voice that Allah accepts such a praise which is sincere praise. Now Allah says that yes, I do hear that praise. I hear the call of one who is praising with the true feelings. As a result, when you say, then it is a praise of gratitude. It is a praise to render thanks. The first praise, which is of the chapter Al-Fatiha, glad tiding of its acceptance has been given to you after the posture of Ruku. Then to express your gratitude, you submit further. Such a praise, which is never-ending, is very extensive, and is pious, in which one's selfish desires are not mixed up. You say, it is for your sake and not for our greatness. It has many blessings. The question is, what is meant here by blessings in the praise? It is a fact that a praise which is really true, out of which new praise continues to sprout, and it always continue to increase, such a beloved whose good quality deeper than your initial introduction. When you go near him and praise him, then you find more beauty in him and find more depth in him, till each time when you express your love before him, then you return with more love than previously. You do not return becoming tired, but those whose beloved are hollow and are superficial, their loves end quickly and do not last for long, because there is no depth in their beloveds and their beauty has no depth. Therefore, that praise remains deprived of blessing. So Allah has explained this subject to us that your true praise is that which is full of blessings, which should continue to prosper, which should continue to increase, and you should continue to understand ever new meanings. It is a fact that beside God there is no praise is of blessings 
in the sense that his blessings are unending. The more you will reflect on the existence of Allah, the more you will reflect on his attributes, the more you will reflect over his past favors, and the more you will reflect on his present favors. And whatever you will beg of him in the future, the time of all these subjects is very long and is very vast. Every part his praise will be linked. In that part also it will be a praise of blessings. If you will cultivate a habit of true reflection and praise Allah with true feelings of the heart. Then there is Allahu Akbar again. There is the position of prostration. Then you repeat. Subhana Rabbi Al-Ala, Subhana Rabbi Al-Ala, Subhana Rabbi Al-Ala. What is the difference between Azim and Allah? Azim comprehends the entire universe and in each Azim there is no sense of remoteness but is the subject of nearness to you. Nearness in the sense that you have come near his greatness. You have seen his manifestation from close quarters and you have been overwhelmed by his manifestation. But in the subject of there is such height that you feel that despite coming near you cannot become his equal. He is the most high. The more you come near him, the more your realization of his exaltation increases. This subject can also be known by being in the vicinity of Himalayas or in the vicinity of tall buildings. You have heard about Eiffel Tower that it is so high. Empire State Building is so tall. CN Tower of Toronto is so high. If you see them from a distance, then although they are tall, but they do not make any appreciable impact on your heart. But when you go near and stand in their foot, it is then that you realize their height. But there are some such heights whose foundations do not start from you, but they are higher than that. For instance, there are the heights of the heavens. They are higher than your reach. Once Pharaoh attempted this, which is mentioned in the Holy Quran, that I should make such a tall building, mounting which I should have a glimpse of the height of God, that if God does exist, then how high is he and where is he? This is the height of his low thinking. But it has taught us a lesson that the subject of Uluv is such whose foundations are not near you. It is on the highest station, as the Urdu poet Ghalib has said. We could have formed an other scene on a higher observation post, if only which was beyond Arsh, the Divine Throne. To know Allah's exaltation, one needs thoughts of beyond the Divine Throne. And to reach that height, you don't need Pharaoh's thinking, which demands physical height, but you need devotion, which demands humility and self-effacement. 
therefore in the posture of deep humility the highest subject was taught a man who rubs his forehead in dust and touches his forehead on the ground he reaches such a posture that when at times people in the west do not understand these things and when they see the muslims in the position of prostration they mock at them and say how foolish people they are god made them the best of creation and made them an animal who walks erect and now they are rubbing their foreheads on the ground those foolish people don't know that the secret of all heights is in this that before the one who is the most high you should become the most humble the step to reach the step to reach him is found by bowing to the lowest position it is not found by rising to physical heights so you say subhana rabbi al ala in such a position when you made yourself most humble and efface yourself totally you accepted the most disgraceful position and nothing of yourself god who had made you to walk erect you put yourself before him in a position of that of an earthworm which cannot stand up in such a condition you say this prayer subhana rabbi alala holy is my lord who is the most high then he it is who gives you god who had made you to walk erect you put yourself before him in a position of that of an earthworm which cannot stand up in such a condition you say this prayer subhana rabbi alala holy is my lord who is the most high then he it is who gives you height and then you have the right to say that my lord is the most high when you say that my lord is the most high my lord is ala then it means that height will also develop in you which is in your lord otherwise how could he have become your lord whoever is yours some of his qualities aren't in you some of his blessing should be seen in you so everyone who passes through the repetition of to rabbi al azim and passes through with sincerity marks of greatness should develop in him every man who says repeatedly before god with deep humility subhana rabbi al ala if he is truly his lord they should develop him the marks of the high station it is then that he can go out in the world as an ambassador of god then seeing him the world realizes the greatness of god seeing him the world realizes the most high station of allah that is the reason why hazrat promised messiah alaihi salatu wasalam has expressed this subject repeatedly in prose as well as in poetry in his intense love for the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wa alihi wasallam that you are not god but are so godly that never has such a godly person ever been seen seeing you we have seen god this is not a sentence of idolatry 
but is a sentence which removes the thought of idolatry. Not understanding its depth of meaning, sometimes people are deceived. Muhammad Mustafa reflected God because he utterly effaced his own self. He perfected the meaning of La ilaha in his own person. He did not say that O Allah beside you and beside me whoever there is in the world is nothing. And generally when people say that then they are declaring the same that O Allah it is your existence and my existence. Beside this there is nothing. But Hazrat Muhammad Mustafa may peace and blessings of Allah be upon him has reflected this meaning throughout his life that I don't exist either. There is nothing except God. When he effaced his own self then Allah manifested himself in that container and Allah manifested himself each of the movement and rest of the Holy Prophet Therefore it is not a subject of idolatry but is the subject of perfect unity and reminds us of this subject that if you are high and say that my Lord is the most high then you should remove your inferior qualities because whoever is a man of inferior qualities cannot become a servant of the Most High Lord. Therefore it is not a matter of a prostration of a single day. It is a matter of the effort of all one's life. Can a man become free of all kinds of inferior qualities in one day, in one year, in ten, twenty or even a hundred years? Certainly not. Therefore, it is such an ongoing subject which never ends. But this movement from the lower condition to the higher condition will always continue. And this movement will begin only when the humility will develop in you and you are granted a new station of humility. Therefore, each prostration should increase your humility. As a result of each prostration, you should develop further realization of your powerlessness and helplessness. Allah's height will continue to fill that realization and that vacuum and a new person will continue to be born from within you. This is the subject of prostrations and now you see that those who say in ignorance that the worships of Islam are strange boring sort of worships as you continue to repeat the same subject, you should present yourself before him at least five times a day and in each posture you continue to repeat the same prayers. If your concepts are superficial and outward, then they are empty containers and you can certainly not receive any benefit from those containers. The containers are to be filled. Allah has granted you these containers for this and granted you such subjects to fill them with which each time fill a new meaning in them fill a new color fill a new beauty and fill new pleasures and this process continue till eternity and this process will continue even after death 
because the perfect understanding of the greatness of God is not within the power of man. It is a process of understanding evolution which will continue forever. After this we come to Atahayat. In the sitting posture we say this prayer to God. That all gifts are for Allah alone. And all homage of the body is for Allah alone. And all those pious things which are connected with wealth or the capacities of life are also a gift for Allah. Now the question is, what is a gift? And what sort of a gift is it? And will you continue to present the same gift daily again and again? When you reflect on this subject, you find that a gift is neither a tax nor a trade, but a special meaning is found in gift, that without understanding it, you cannot do your duty of attahiyat. The meaning which is found in a gift is to change material things into spiritual conditions. It is a barter system which has no remotest link with materialism. Even in materialism, where under the compulsion of limitation of man, the heart desires higher pleasures, the subject of gift definitely enters there. So whether it is dialectical materialism or it is some other materialist philosophy, as the philosophy of the Western capitalism is also materialist, the subject of gift does not befit them and is somewhat an unconnected thing. If the compulsion of man's nature was not there, then the thought of gift must have ended in both these systems, because the gift is that giving a material thing which is a solid matter, one should receive such a feeling which does not have a physical existence, which is a condition that is linked to the situation of one's heart, which is a condition that is linked to the world of your thoughts. If with perfect intelligence, with the intelligence of Karl Marx, if you analyze this exchange, you will say it is madness, it is extreme foolishness. If you love a friend, you should possess him and take from him whatever you can. What is the point of giving him something? especially to a friend from whom you have no expectation of receiving anything. To sacrifice your wealth on him and to sacrifice all your hard-earned income is extreme foolishness. What you get in return, you get love in return, which is such a condition which one cannot touch with his finger and show it to you that this is what is love. It has neither a color, nor, nor taste, nor smell. It is a feeling, and beside it, it has no reality. Therefore, to change material condition into spiritual condition is what is called a gift, which is not found in any transaction. Therefore, whatever links you established with God so far, you bowed before Him, you prostrated before Him, 
then you offered sacrifices and also submitted to him but it is a sort of mechanical submission it is such a submission as when accepting the greatness of a king one submits to him with fear fear is essential for submission but it is not enough the real submission is a submission of love and when you say subhana rabbi subhana rabbi then here you have admitted a relation of love otherwise you would not have said my lord my lord he is the lord of the world it is true. he is the lord of the universe has all control and is all powerful it was necessary to bow before him your intelligence has made much clear to you it is fine but in the subject of my lord has entered a subject of love so after this the giving of gifts should begin so by making god his own a man submits to him in humility attahiyatu lillahi all gifts are for allah wassalawatu wattayyibatu and what are the gifts the bodily sacrifices and financial sacrifices this subject is not expressed in these few words but because of the limitation of the time i have said it in brief you can see how many bodily sacrifices a man makes for his beloved for his beloved sake man tries to suffer all difficulty even in lower levels of love we see these conditions daily for instance when there is a winter seat and if a door is left open cold wind blows if your friend gets up to close it you quickly get up and say you stay i will close it why take the bother why don't you let your friend close it he is going to close it which will protect you from cold wind and will protect him also why do you want to do it yourself it is a deep voice of nature which is telling you that when you suffer physical discomfort for a higher aim then as a result you gain pleasure whatever enjoyment there is in giving that makes the subject of the gifts clear to us whatever pleasures there are as a result of receiving are of lower grade the real and higher pleasures which are everlasting pleasures which are the most subtle pleasures are always gained as a result of giving when you present some beloved and your beloved were to send it back then you see what pain you suffer after a time if your beloved were to give you something then at times there is a pleasure of receiving but your heart feels a little depressed and says i should give a little more to my beloved so that i should have upper hand in giving whereas this giving is of a lower grade but even in that a man has to have an upper hand he wants that i should give more and should receive less i should suffer more and should let my beloved suffer the least such pleasures develop a new person from within man who can develop a relationship with god because god is not physical allah has put this subject in the relations of man for this very reason as far as i have studied evolution 
to me it is a name of the movement from lower condition to the higher conditions and the bodily changes that we witness in evolution are of secondary nature this subject is very vast i had once put light on one aspect during my address in mauritius but very briefly but for the present i will leave it untouched because there is not much time now and the rest object will inshallah be discussed later anyway we have entered the subject of at-tahiyat and since it is the first day of the annual convention and we have to do many other things therefore as allah enables me i will inshallah discuss the remaining subject in the next sermon and at the end of this convention i will address you on whatever is the natural and logical conclusion after the chapter al-fatiha that is if this prayer is accepted ihdina sirat al-mustaqim sirat al-lazina an'amta alayhim ghayr al-maghdubi alayhim wal dalalin then what changes are brought about in those who are bestowed with blessings and what outward signs can be seen in them similarly when the maghdub that who in kursallah's displeasure clash with those who have been bestowed with blessings then what way does allah treat them since this is a vast subject and cannot be discussed in one sermon i had discussed a part of this subject in my last eid sermon and now not all of the remaining part but a part of it i will inshallah discuss in my final address of this annual convention as in late i will end here the jamaat throughout the world who have been listening to this sermon live today would like that i should mention their names on this special day i will read out their names for prayers they include indonesia kenya pakistan where listening with the grace of allah are lahore karachi and islamabad there are jamaats in germany then japan japan and mauritius have been the first these are the first two countries who had started the system and the rest of them have benefited from their effort the other countries are fiji spain london mosque in uk this system which jaswal brothers have started may allah give them the best of reward they have done good work have done favor to the jamaats and the jamaats write to me repeatedly that please do remember them in prayers may allah with his grace grant them blessings of both the worlds on your behalf i say to all these jamaats who are listening to this sermon assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and on their behalf i say to you that you should remember them especially in your prayers during the blessed days of this annual convention Alhamdulillah nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nastaghfiruhu wa nu'minu bihi wa natawakkalu alayh 